So today uh, we are wrapping up our study of the Sermon on the Mount. This is where we have actually been for 10 weeks now. This is our 10th week of looking at uh, Jesus's master teaching. And so if you would turn in your copy of God's Word uh, to Matthew chapter 7, we're going to be reading this morning verses 15 through 29. Matthew 7 verses 15 through 29. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and, and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The word of the Lord. As we wrap up the Sermon on the Mount today, and as Jesus puts a bow on everything, in that same spirit with which Jesus ends this message, I want uh, to end our time of study by pointing out that you have a choice to make. And it is a choice that really only has two options. Option number one is you are either going to listen to the words of Jesus and do them, seek to put them into practice in your life, or you are not. Those are really the only two options that are available to you. And now is as good a time as any, as, as the world is kind of falling apart outside, as people are dying left and right, as, as folks are, are suddenly like thrust into unemployment at a moment's notice. It's, it's not a question of whether or not you believe in Jesus, it's not a question of whether or not you think Jesus is real. The question is really, are you going to do what he has commanded? Are you going to do what he has commanded? Are you going to seek in your life to do his will? Are you going to give him your allegiance as your king? You know, we've heard many good things throughout this sermon, but the reality is that even the most atheistic person 
could gladly apply a lot of what Jesus is talking about here to their lives, loving other people, uh, treating other people in the way that they want to be treated. I mean, those are qualities that most people seek to embody in their lives. But let us not forget where all of this started. All the way back in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' teaching here began with what are known as the Beatitudes. And, and I want to just go back there real quick. If you have your Bible, this is Matthew 5, um, starting in verse 3. Here's what Jesus said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets before you. We said way back 10 weeks ago when we started this series that Jesus takes our normal concept of blessing and he kind of turns it on his head. The things that he calls blessing here are not things that we would normally call blessing. But yet, this is where he begins. And I really think that the Beatitudes are sort of a thesis statement for this entire thing. It's, it's possible that you could read the Sermon on the Mount and, and consider it just like a bunch of disjointed sayings that are all put together. And I think that's most likely if you're encountering it, encountering it in snippets or in segments or in small chunks. But when you really kind of take it all together, it is, man, this cohesive statement from Jesus. Jesus begins by essentially asking, do you want to be blessed? And, and what does that mean to you? Do you want to be blessed? And what does that mean to you? And, and if you, Mike, like most people would answer, yes, of course, I want to be blessed. Then here's Jesus's simple answer. Follow me. If this is what you want, follow me. I am the way and the truth and the life. Don't do what you think is right. Don't do what seems logical to you. Don't do what you think other people want. Don't lean on your own understanding. First, follow Jesus. And, and what I mean by follow Jesus is make Jesus your master and then seek to pattern your life after him. It's easy to read the Beatitudes and think that all of these things are things that we have to do based on our own power, that, that somehow I, I'm supposed to be this perfect embodiment of meekness and peacemaking and, and so on and so forth. But we get to the end of the sermon and Jesus gives us an important key. He says, you will know real prophets by their fruit. And conversely, you will know false prophets by their fruit. And here's the fruit that we see in the life of Christ. 
Jesus has perfectly modeled for us the Beatitudes. He is the perfect embodiment of poverty of spirit and meekness and purity of heart and peacemaking and mourning and being reviled and being persecuted for righteousness, righteousness's sake. Jesus is our example in all of these things. And there are going to be many people who claim Christ. This is abundantly true here in Shreveport in the Christian culture in which we live. We talk about this all the time, but we live in a place, unlike many other parts of the country, where it is socially expeditious to be a Christian. So many people claim Christ because it is, it's simply easier than not claiming Christ. People go to church periodically so that their families won't hassle them about going to church. People baptize their kids because grandma keeps asking when we're going to baptize the kids and we're tired of hearing about it. That's, that's the culture we live in around here. But here's the problem in all of that. That's not what he's looking for from you. He's, he's not looking for people who will just claim him. He's not looking for people who will just say that he's real he is looking for people whose belief in his realness actually leads them to make him the center of their lives. You and I both know people, maybe even some of us on this call today, whose belief in Jesus is really only on the surface. Folks who's, um, it's, it's people who's, who have this like casual religious activity in their lives. It makes up a, a real small portion of their lives, mainly on certain days of the week. But, but by no stretch is Jesus their king. By no stretch is Jesus their master. Like kings want your allegiance. Kings want your allegiance. There's a New Testament scholar writing today whose name is Matthew Bates, and he has written this book where he suggests that that the word allegiance is actually a really great modern explanation for the word, the Greek word pistos, which is faith. And what we mean when we say faith in a biblical sense is very much akin to our modern word allegiance. That I don't just believe he's real. Um, I don't just trust him but I, I back that up with the actions of my life. Because I believe he's real and because I trust him, I seek to do what he tells me to do, right? That's what kings want from their followers. Kings want servants who will not just, just do what they're commanded to do because they've been coerced in some way. That's not how Jesus operates. He, he wants followers whose joy it is to serve the king. And, and yet Jesus is clear, not all who call me Lord are going to enter the kingdom of heaven. But, but Lord, I took that mission trip to Guatemala in your name. But Lord, I, I've been teaching kids Sunday school for the last 20 years at my church in your name. But Lord, I, I gave my tax return to the church building program last year in your name. Listen, if your response to Jesus is, hey, Jesus, look at what I've done for you. I think you've missed it. 
Notice that Jesus said there are going to be some who say, Lord, didn't we do this and didn't we do that? If that's ever your response to Jesus, wait a second, Jesus, let me tell you about all the good stuff I've done. I I think you've missed it. Jesus is not looking for people who can accumulate enough good deeds to be allowed to enter his kingdom. Our good deeds pale in comparison to his good deeds. In fact, scripture says that our good deeds are like filthy rags. Jesus is not impressed with you. Jesus is not impressed with me. But here's some good news for us. In fact, this is the good news. At no point has he ever been looking for people who are good enough to enter his kingdom. At no point has Jesus ever been looking for people who have done enough good deeds to enter his kingdom. In fact, I would go so far as to say, if you think you are good enough to enter his kingdom, I'm not sure you understand this at all. Throughout this entire sermon, Jesus has been telling us what he is like. And the reality about him and his character is, he was sacrificed for us. He gave his life for us. He shed his blood for us, even while we were sinners, and even while we were enemies of him, so that his goodness could be given to us so that his righteousness could be laid on top of us. Throughout all of this, he is telling us what he is like. He is showing us what he is like. He is the one who loves his enemies perfectly. He is the one who prays for those who persecute him. He is the one who is not anxious about his life. He is the one whose righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. If you want to enter his kingdom, you must submit your life to him as your master, period. That is what he has called us to. That doesn't mean simply going to church, even though you probably will. That doesn't mean simply being a nice person, even though you should be. That doesn't simply mean being a generous person, even though that's awesome. It means surrendering your entire life to him in complete allegiance, and then rebuilding your life in his image, empowered by his Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus says, you must be born again. You must be born again. It's not like, well, let me add a little bit of Jesus stuff to my life. It's more like, let's start over. Let's start over, but this time, Jesus is Lord, and I'm not. Jesus is Lord and you are not. That describes the person who has built their life on the rock. It's not just the person who does religious things every now and then or engages casually in the things of the church. It is the person who has placed their hope and their trust in Christ as their conquering, victorious, eternal King, that is the rock that I want to build my life on, a life where my goodness doesn't measure up, where I'm undeserving of grace, but yet he has given it to me anyway freely. And as a result, he has come to live inside me, and he is changing me. I pray that that is the experience that you guys are having as well. Hey, let's pray together and ask him for wisdom,
as we continue through this strange season of life, this season in which there are many storms that are blowing against the house of our lives. And I pray that, that as these things transpire, that what it will find in us is a person that is steadfast because our hope is in the Lord and not in, in, not in any of the things of this world. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace and love. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus. We thank you that our reconciliation to you is not based on our goodness because, God, we know we are not good enough. We know that we can in no way measure up to your holiness and your perfection. And so we thank you for giving your son Jesus. Thank you for sacrificing him. Thank you for sending him. Thank you that he went to the cross freely, willingly, because of his great love for us. Father, would you help us to trust you in all ways? God, would you help us to reorient our lives around you fully? Not just make you a hobby, not just make you an add-on, God, but truly come to see you as the orienting center of our lives. And God, would we seek to make Jesus the one to whom we aspire? Help us to pattern our lives after him. Help us to learn him by engaging the scriptures and learning about what he is like and what he did and what he didn't do and how he lived and to learn his commands so that we might follow them. God, give us grace as we seek to do those things. We cannot do them based on our own power, but yet we give you honor that you have sent your Holy Spirit because you knew we needed a helper. You knew we were incapable on our own. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. And it is in your name we pray. Amen.